Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. You know how I know I've uh, reached my tipping point with the draft? Like- I can think of about 14 reasons off the top of my head, but what is today's reason du jour? I, I actually think today is like the one, the one where I know we've gone too far. It's officially been too long. It's gotten to us and no thinking I'm going to do from now moving forward. It's going to be productive. I sat there today talking about, you know, the likely draft picks at fourth overall for Detroit and, you know, the usual crowd were bringing up Askarov and I thought, yeah, well, you know what? Maybe not a bad pick. And I'm not saying Askarov's going to be a bad pick, but I, that is the first time in my head where I accepted that without like that internal shudder of taking a goalie fourth overall, like with that kind of risk. And I sat there and I was like, yeah, you know, who might, maybe they should take Askarov. And I backed up. I went, oh my God, who am I? I looked in the mirror and it was like a whole different person. Who am I? What have I become? There's a memento reference in there, but you know, I actually didn't really love that movie too much. So I don't really, I don't remember too much of it. I prefer the Pimentos Memento Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode personally, but that could just be me. Vaguely. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, we have a special guest this podcast. It's Evan. Uh, Evan, who has taken, <laughs> taken my surprise that we were recording today. That is correct. Which I can, I can understand um, why you would be confused. Because we never have a set schedule and we're always guessing which day of the week we're going to do the midweek episode oh exactly. yeah but you had uh you had a week's notice i totally i don't remember what happens the day after of anything it's <laughs> been the longest week of all time you and brad eh brad's uh brad's dad like tiredness is a fish like i i don't think it's stopped rising since hank was born we had like a month grace period when hank was born and now every single day brad is more and more tired i'm afraid you're getting both mika and hank's worth of it all in the these past like i don't know how many months yes it just gets sucked out of me like uh a vampire and its victim except now i have two of them doing it which means i have negative energy somehow so we'll We'll go with that. Hank is a year in like a month and a bit. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, he's almost one. He's legitimately almost one. <laughs> what happened? The world ended. Did you not notice? Uh, I'm kind of like Evan. I've just not been paying attention. Every month feels like three. Yeah, and yet I'm always thinking where the hell did that month go? September's fake. We're on September 23rd right now. No, we've been keeping track. It's March 372. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. What it feels uh, like. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Catching up to ourselves. Uh, I'm Ryan Hanna. We're recording at 930 on a weekday again, and Ryan's surprised that Brad is tired. I am Brad. I'm always tired, and I'm Evan. <laughs> hey, man. I didn't make you have the kids. <laughs> See, when we say 9 p.m., I think that Evan means something different to me. Don't don't ask me. Ask Honcho over here who doesn't remember his own words. Hey, I was doing the garbages. 
garbage. You're lucky I was even home. Usually on Wednesdays at this time, I'm just finishing up at the golf course. It's almost <laughs> October. Oh, there's a tournament October 4th. Uh, and then there's another one in November that I'm playing in. So Is the October 4th tournament a one-day tournament? Because you're cutting it real close there. Uh, yes, it is. God. It's a one day, one day, four man scramble. Our we biggest, do, our biggest yeah. podcast day of the year for anything we do is round one of the draft. And what do you think the odds were if Evans golf tournament was October 5th, if he would be there? We do book the draft in Evans calendar. Literally the moment we know when the date is, I thought it was the sixth or the seventh. So. It might be. I might be off by a day or two. I haven't memorized it. Whatever the Tuesday is. Yeah. Oh, the fourth um, is a Saturday. On this that episode of the podcast, the fourth is not a Saturday. What? It's definitely not a Saturday. The sixth is the Tuesday. Yeah, it's a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> what a mess. There we go. What a mess the start <laughs> of this episode is. Hi, we're a professional <laughs> hockey podcast. Uh, we've been doing this for five years, as you can clearly tell. Can you imagine being a new listener for the, this episode? They're like, what were these people talking about where this is a good podcast? They were Anyways. reading the iTunes reviews and then clicked on it, listened to this first five minutes, and just went bullshit and left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we already lost them. We're not talking to them right now. On this episode of the podcast, we are uh, going to be discussing quite a bit uh, that's happened. Uh, game three of the Stanley Cup playoffs is being played as we speak. Um, so you guys will likely know the result of that before we do. Um, well, not really, but, you know, in order of listening to the episode, uh, there's Red Wings relevant news, both Red Wings abroad and Red Wings at home and potential new Red Wings. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And then uh, the prospect profile for this week, we are rounding out to the finish here. Um, our third last Tim Stutzla will be this episode's NHL draft prospect profile. And that's before we head into overtime. Okay, the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, what's the score right now? Is three one? Last I looked, three one Tampa Still Bay. Three one. If the score would end now, of all people, the game winning goal would belong to one Steven Stamkos. What a fun story that is! Who has already left the game and has returned? Oh, he's come back. He came back. Okay. He's not really playing, but he's on the bench. Got it. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good news. I always like, I always hate when star players are injured for the Stanley Cup finals. I'm not the kind of person who's like, oh, if the star players aren't playing, the, the cup finals didn't count. Like, you lose, you lose. It's part of it. The part of the finals is the grind and, you know, how you have to work through it. But I always like when the best players play. Um, and also, it's cool that he scored right away. So, game one, obviously, stars 4 1 over the Lightning. And game two, the Lightning took it 3 2 over the stars. He and played it's a like- tough series. He played like two minutes and change in the first period. And from what I'm reading here has not played a shift since. So if he's done for the playoffs again, he is going to go down for the all time record for goals per 60 in a single <laughs> playoff. Cause rough math. He, uh, his goals per 60 is 30 at the moment. <laughs> yeah. That's going to mess up some data points. He's definitely going to be removed as an outlier for that one. Um, but imagine like, okay, so say he comes in, this ends up being the game winner. Like they, that is going to be the most important two and a half minutes of his career. If, if uh, Tampa Bay ends up winning the cup, like I'm sure he wouldn't have traded it for anything. Oh, well, no. we'll see. Um, it's a tough series. Kadobin, 
you read that tweet where it was like all the like Hadobin's fashion and everything that he wears? I did not. This guy is an absolute icon. I'm going to pull it up. He like dresses so stereotypically like Russian, like the, the velvet tracksuits and stuff. It is so funny. Um, going home. This is a quote from, from an interview um, that someone did, that Saad Youssef did uh, with player. I can't I don't know who it was. Players, I'm guessing, on uh, Dallas. Uh, he wore a lot of Gucci and velour. I remember he wore a velour track suit one time. <laughs> it was wow. like, oh, okay. This is a different animal. Like, this is the Russian hockey player. Gucci frames, Armani sunglasses. Uh, he was so confident. The velour track suit was like burgundy or something ridiculous. It wasn't even black. And then someone else goes, I remember coming to practice. It was 95 degrees out. He shows up with fur Ugg boots, shorts, and a t-shirt. And, then, and someone was like, asked him about the Uggs. And he's like, oh, you like my shoes? <laughs> and he's like, Anton, it's 100 degrees outside. And he's like, no, these are the best. <laughs> Look, I don't want to say he is a fashion icon and we are colliding worlds between hockey and, um, you know, pop media, but Kadobin deserves the consmite just off those statements alone. Even if he didn't make a single save these cup finals, those revelations should be enough. You like a good character in the cup finals. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. The the nice thing is both, both teams have a lot of good storylines going in the cup final right now. Obviously if Stamkos somehow continues to play, that'd be a huge storyline. Kudobin's been fun. The emergence of Yoel Kivaranta, Tampa finally being somewhat healthy in the cup final. Victor Hedman emerging as easily the best defenseman in the NHL, and it's not particularly close. Miro Heiskanen saying, wait, I'm coming. And <laughs> and that's like, it's going to be a good story no matter who wins as much as we like to dislike Tampa because division rival. But it's fun. It's a great, great cup final. It's been good hockey so far. I mean, Tampa dominated the first period in game two to jump out to a three nothing lead and jamie ben almost tied that game in the final minute like it was still a great game and this game uh looking a little more one-sided uh based on everything twitter is saying uh, over the last 10 minutes uh, anton kudobin is doing everything in his power to keep this game at 3-1 because apparently dallas doesn't have a shot on net in the second period yet but i mean from a from a podcaster, a blogger, a writer standpoint, this cup final is not bland. And then there's yeah. the whole this is going to be the pandemic cup that we will remember until we die. They've shaken the whole like there's no asterisk cup anymore, right? Like this has been no. a full cohort of there never yeah. would have been. This one's probably harder than a normal one just because of the players sacrificing time with their family to be able to do this and the looming constant threat of you know one positive case could shut this whole thing down so this thing had to go off flawlessly it had to go on longer than any player would like it to and you're still playing that high level of hockey that you would otherwise have to play did you read that article did you guys read that article from uh oh i can't remember where it's from but they uh they talked about what life was actually like inside the bubble and like mm. players talked about like some of the ins and outs of it and like how things were like promised and not given and stuff that was, you know, good and stuff that, that, you know, they had expectations for and it just never came through. 
I did not read it, but I've heard that uh, one of the bubbles was significantly better than the other. Yeah, there was. They, they talked about some things that are like it, stuff that was weird. Was like the dynamic with the rivalries. Like they're like hockey's the the players were like we're assuming it's different, but you, in hockey it's not like basketball where you see a lot of these players are buddies and they train together and like they go and hang out after games and like not to say basketball is not competitive or the rivalries aren't there, but he's like in hockey I want to rip this guy's head off. And it's awkward when you're in an elevator with him. Like, obviously, nothing starts in the hotel, but, like, you definitely avoid eye contact. Like, you don't talk to each other. And it's weird. Like, you have a tough loss against a team, and then the next day, the coaches are at the table next to you eating. And it's like, uh, what are you supposed to do? And then they were saying, like, people were bored. Like, there's nothing to do. Like, That must the- be Edmonton. <laughs> Yeah, I I got the impression that it was Edmonton, but they talked. Which one is the one with the rooftop bar? I'm guessing that's Toronto. Most likely, they Good were like, chance. yes, they're like literally every single night that bar was packed. Every player that didn't have a game the next day or that night was there. They're like young guys, like uh, veterans, coaches. They were all there. Like it's it was the only thing they had to do. They had the occasional outing, but they 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 were describing like the golf outing, and they were like. It's hard. It's incredibly hard to plan. It's like either everybody or nobody. And it's like you can't have any contact with the outside world. So it's so hard to coordinate. They're like, it almost wasn't worth it. And like, look, I'm not sitting here crying for them. But it was just kind of interesting to see their life inside the bubble. Apparently, a lot of them, like because they were in Canada and weed's legal here, they, um, a lot of them were big fans of uh, CBD gummies and weed gummies to like just to help them like chill out. Yeah, I like, mean, wouldn't that help everybody? Yeah. Like, good for them. I was like, if you don't get to have that most games and, like, you have a lot of... They were describing a lot of, like, anxiety. Like, being away from their family and stuff and, like, not being able to just, like, socialize. Or they had the a very, like, first-year undergrad finals uh, quote. They're like, I realized I hadn't gone outside and breathed fresh air in three days. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> Welcome yeah, to the plebs life. I may have done that yesterday. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's really easy to do during quarantine, but still. And then another thing was um, not every single meal was like they had like set meals that were paid for, obviously. But like say you want to just go down and grab something from the Tim's truck, like they got bills at the end. And like, look, again, I'm sure they're going to be fine. But that was apparently something that came as a surprise to them. The thing is, like there was some like outrage about this. and There's some people like yelling about it. All things considered, it's still really impressive the way the NHL pulled this off, right? Like, it worked. That's what worked. mattered. They needed it to work. I'd be pissed if someone made me pay for Tim Hortons, too. I mean, yeah, but that's just the rite of passage of being a modern Canadian. The Canadian stereotype is Tim Hortons. Like, you thinking you like Tim or everyone likes Tim Hortons. The Canadian experience is being pissed off at how terrible Tim Hortons is. Oh, yeah. This episode of the podcast, definitely not sponsored by Tim Hortons. I'll tell you that. But if if they're able to set up the bubble in a way where the worst thing that happens is someone has a high, like high charged bill to the room at the end, like good for you, NHL. Yeah, but CBD gummies, CBD gummies and then Timmy's coffee, like are, are they trying to get up? Are they trying to get down? This is why it was so miserable. They didn't know what they were doing. Amateur <laughs> hour. Weird fever sweats. <laughs> <laughs> know which way they're moving um okay some nhl news we'll start with the almost trade today um brad why don't you take us away with that one 
I really don't know what's going on. All I know is there is apparently a deal in place or at the structure for a deal where Patrick Hornquist would be going to Florida and Mike Matheson would be going to Pittsburgh. Whether or not there's any picks or prospects uh, involved around that never got reported. The trade's being held up due to two reasons, again, reportedly. Uh, they can't get a hold of Patrick Hornquist, who's apparently lost in the Swedish North, I assume. I don't actually know where he is. And um, there's something with insurance on a contract that is a little tricky. But what fascinates me about this trade is not only does Jim Rutherford make bad trades and sign bad contracts, he can make bad trades to bring on a bad contract. It's truly remarkable. Yeah, he does what Ken Holland can never do. He consolidates those two things. It's it's efficient, if nothing else. He's skipping the middleman on this one, and for that time-saving method, kudos to you, Mr. Rutherford. So here's Mike Matheson. Six more, 26 years old, so not terrible like that's a decent age if you're gonna have six years left on your contract six years left on his contract at 4.875 million dollars per year and mike matheson's not an awful player he was routinely towards the end of the season and in the playoffs a healthy scratch on the 10th seeded florida panthers yeah he is not he's not good. a good player for that price. No, he's not a good player for that price. And for six more years, and there was the quote when that deal was signed because it was originally an eight-year deal, and we were all like, whoa, geez, relax, Dale Talon. And uh, they were talking about when it was signed. It was like, yeah, first it started off as a two-year deal, then it went to four, and then it went to six. And then Mike said, why not eight? I want to be a Panther. And so we signed him to eight. And like the GM saying this, and like Dale, when, when you're – Third pairing, maybe maybe second pairing defenseman saying, why not eight? You say, because. Look around the league. I see roughly 47 of you in our conference alone. Anyhow, uh, Pittsburgh, in all of their wisdom, decided that they needed to bring on this contract. Look, Hornquist didn't have a great year last year. He has three more years at 5.3. So they would actually technically be saving money for the next three years and then not for the three years after. I just don't understand Jim Rutherford. I want this deal to fall apart because I want Eisman to call him and say, you can have DeKaiser. A better defenseman for with less term and about the same cap hit? God, if they're only give up Patrick Hornquist for that, we might get Evgeny Malkin for DeKaiser. <laughs> I, was, I was only half kidding when I said that earlier. I mean, Pittsburgh doesn't have a lot of great tradable assets, if we're being honest. But if you are any other GM right now, yeah, you're exactly right. You're hoping this trade falls through and you are offering up every left-handed defenseman you have on your roster that's not a Norris candidate. I think... Brad, you and I could call Jim Rutherford and just talk up Evan and say, yeah, sure, you've never seen him play, but do you know he can't play on your third line? I think I think we could get like Jason Zucker back or Jake Getzel or something. Name me the last good trade Jim Rutherford made. Oh, oh man, I don't think it was. Uh, the Zucker trade seems to be working out all right for them. Yeah, 
they trade depending where that first round Dominic. pick lands next year, but I don't imagine Pittsburgh's going to be a basement feeder. So they traded Mata for Dominic Cahoon. Yeah, it's been all right. And now they're trying to get Mike Matheson to replace Ole Mott on the left side because this is the way the world works. Yeah, I'm going through Jim Rutherford's trades. Ooh, not a lot of good ones. That Eric Branson for Tanner Pearson. Oops. Oopsies. Uh, Jamie Alexiak trade. Which one, when they got him or when they shipped him off again? Yes. Yeah, this is a what was it? They trades. traded him for Dallas for a fourth round pick and then traded that same fourth round pick for Jamie Alexiak. Like they literally just said, here's the trade. And then a little while later, never mind. There's a lot of yes. that. There's a lot of like him undoing the good that he did just like a couple weeks before. He got, they got John Marino for. Yeah, that was a great trade. Yeah. Wow. That was an awesome trade. I mean, he wasn't much when they traded for it. That They traded a late-round pick for a late-round pick, essentially, and Marino ended up handing out, and I don't think he was ever going to sign with Edmonton, so Edmonton's hands were kind of tied. But, hey, when a team gets screwed a position like that, right? But when you're a team that's screwed like that, I mean, every other team is going to be calling you. So Rutherford did something that the other 29 GMs couldn't do, so he wins on that I'm telling you. I, I genuinely mean what I said last time we talked about Rutherford. He does not obey the laws of the universe. This guy wakes up, does whatever the hell he wants, throws some dice at the wall and says, yeah, that's the trade I'm making today. Like he traded for Good Branson, which he generally shouldn't have done. And then he managed to trade Good Branson away he, just because he could. I think he did that just because he could. I think he's like, fuck yeah, I'll do it. Tell me what's I won't. That, what's that Say one quote? We don't need thinkers. We need doers. That's <laughs> that's Rutherford in a heartbeat. And like he can do it because he has Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. He can do whatever the hell he wants, and he'll never lose his job because they will trip and fall into the playoffs in a normal year where the world isn't ending. And and it's great. So he just throws whatever the hell he can. He's like, oh, Connor Sherry was a first line player on this team. Hell yeah, we'll trade for some of them. Oh yeah, that one year Brian Dumoulin popped off. Hell yeah, we'll just keep throwing darts at guys like that. It, it works once out of ten times, but everybody just remembers the one. I never noticed this um, f- statistic on Cap Friendly before, for, but now I'm going through the GM history, and um, I think this is what this stat st- means. It's uh, the signing value for all the signings that Jim Rutherford has done, and it is $1.1 billion worth of signings. Does that make sense? Christ. He's yeah, been around he's a been long around, time. He's been around a really long time. He's done Did- 286 signings. Do you think he just got old into that point uh, where Letterman did, where he's just like, F it, I don't even care anymore. If I get fired, I'll just retire. If not, I'm going down in a blaze of glory. Average value per per signing is $4 million. Um, In comparison, Ken Holland has $1.2 billion in signings. Yeah, that's just if you're around for a long while, you're, you're signing away a lot of money. See what Eiserman has. Sorry, this is taking me forever. Uh, He is also $1 billion. Really? Does that make sense? Big money in Tampa Bay, I guess. 220 signings? Well, really? I guess he has been for like a decade now, eh? Yeah. 
Eisenman. Just well, about. didn't he do Stamkos, Hedman, Kucherov, Vasilevsky? <laughs> like, yeah, those are pretty big deals. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And that's taking the total value of the contract, yes. right? Like, yeah. Correct. Anyways, the, what's that stat good for other than just oh my god, literally nothing? But it's fun. Crazy to amount of money. Yeah. Um, that deal still hasn't been confirmed at the time of recording the uh, uh, Matheson for uh, Hornquist trade, but I'm sure some development will happen by the time you're listening. Um, in other free agent news, it was reported um, that if Jacob Markstrom, goaltender from the Vancouver Canucks, so one of the two star goaltenders they have, the other being Thatcher Demko, uh, was to reach free agency, which seems almost likely at this point uh the red wings were going to be among the teams putting together a big pitch for him so they are hoping to uh bring in markstrom supposedly um to solve their goalie problem and uh, apparently markstrom's asking price is about six million dollars per year all right so let's break down this hypothetical let's do the good first if Jakob markstrom's ask is actually six million dollars for what as for what he is as a goaltender right now, that is incredibly low. He was as good, if not better, than several ten million dollar goalies this year. He was a Vesna, if not a Hart candidate, before a late season injury kind of derailed that campaign. He was the only guy looking to give Connor Hellebuck a run for his money, and this wasn't a one year aberration. The previous year in Vancouver, he was just as good. So if you can get an elite, a legitimate elite starting goalie for $6 million, that is fantastic. Now for the other side of that, Stevie must be way more optimistic about this team's rebuild time frame than we are. Jakob Markstrom's 30. So let's assume it's a five-year contract. Okay, that means we're taking him to age 35. That's risky, but most goalies hold up pretty good through their early 30s. I don't think even the most optimistic Red Wings fan out there thinks the Red Wings are going to be anywhere near a contender in the next three years. Maybe in year three, scratch and sniff a playoff spot, possibly with Markstrom, very much a possibility. Year four and five, if everything goes absolutely perfectly, okay, yeah, maybe maybe there's a reality in which they make a run. I wouldn't bet on it, but maybe. You really going to put all your faith in a 35 or 35-year-old goaltender at that point? I wouldn't, especially with a goalie with the injury history that Jakob Markstrom has, which isn't extensive, but it's there. Oh, man, that is that is a big bet on the team to be good and be good fast. Because if not, it makes no sense. They're either racing to the top or they're racing to the bottom. And Markstrom's good enough that if Detroit's roster is the 31st best roster in the NHL, he could bump them up to 24 or 25, which in terms of a rebuild, is not what you want to do. You don't want an aberration. You don't want... There have been good goalies that have ruined rebuilds because they gave their team the illusion they were better than they actually were. So there's always a risk in that. 
Here's my yeah. thing. 30 years old. You know what, Evan? Why don't you go? Um, what was I going to say now? No. I totally uh, just threw it out my mind. Um, the reason why it doesn't all add up to me is because the one thing Steve Eiserman keeps hammering in any sort of soundbite is the need for time and that this will take time. At, Markstrom isn't the guy that fits the bill if we're if it's going to be a long-term uh, rebuild. I I think I, I maybe he is optimistic that this team is better than we think they are. There'll be some exponential development. Um, but this if they do sign Markstrom, it, it from a timing perspective, it doesn't make sense. If it was two years from now. And Rexstrom was now 30 at that time. I could see it potentially making a lot more sense, but it just it doesn't add up to me. And that's why I think it's more so just a, a rumor. Because Steve Eisenman's a vault. You never know what he's thinking anyway. Galaxy brain moment. Vancouver wants to keep Markster. Markster won't sign in Vancouver. Eisenman signs him in Detroit, trades him to Vancouver for Thatcher Demko. Crazy crazy brad (laughs) here's here's my take i agree i'm not certain about whether or not this is true but let's just operate under the pretense that it is i'm actually okay with it even in terms of timing like i I agree with you brad six million dollars would be a steal for markstrom based on how he can play and i think we've talked about this on the podcast before goalies age curves are a little bit weird and we've seen goalies be very competitive late into their careers so let's say he was 34 before the team made the playoffs i wouldn't be like sad about that i wouldn't be optimistic but at the same time like maybe he's still a star goalie by then but the 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 differing point here is that like you said eisman would be technically betting that this team would be competitive within two to four years rather than four to six um and i don't hate that rebuilds aren't going to work perfectly right like it's not going to be like worst team in the league worst team in the league 32nd 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 all of a sudden you're a playoff team there has to be a taper out at some point you are going to get marginally better there are going to be some years where we're kind of like detroit's kind of like 20th to 26th um before moving up into the wild card spots and i'm sure eisman's like look Bernie's not going to be here forever. We can't even bank on him having the same season he did last year. Maybe he doesn't even see Markstrom as bumping them up the standings too much. I don't think Markstrom moves the needle on the standings more than a place or two at best with how bad this team is. And I'm also sure that he saw enough games where Detroit got absolutely blown out. The defense was going to play bad every game, plain and simple. It just wasn't a good team. The goaltending is what made it either a close game or an absolute blowout. And there's too many times where it was an absolute blowout. So I'm sure he's saying, look, I would much rather be losing by one or two. I'm still confident we'll come last. And if we don't, then you know what? We need to put butts in the seats, which I know COVID, that's a it's a different ar- argument there. But the team can't keep losing at this rate for the next three to five years. And I think that's what he's thinking in terms of like fostering success and a championship attitude within the franchise. And I'm sure that's what ownership's thinking financially. That would all make a ton of sense, but there's one hitch in that argument for me about the, you want Markstrom to come in and and change this team a little bit. 
I would argue the level at which Jonathan Bernier played this year wasn't dramatically far off of Markstrom this year. Markstrom was definitely the better goalie, but Bernier, after what was it, December 1st, was putting up Vesna caliber numbers, especially given the team in front of him. So, yeah, I, I the Red Wings need to minimize blowouts and they need to be more competitive. There is no argument about that. As much as I would like them to finish 31st again next year, they can't do it with 17 wins. They just can't. Um, but I think that when you look at the Red Wings this year, and this is getting into a much bigger conversation, but just to make the point quick, they had bad luck, a lot of injuries. Their PDO was terrible. Their backup goalie was unusable. A lot went wrong for them to only win 17 games. Just from regressing to the mean, the Red Wings will improve by 5 to 10 wins next year. Just by the law of averages. And that doesn't include a full season of Zadina. Uh, maybe Michael Rasmussen takes a step. A full season of DeKaiser. You know, maybe Mo Sider comes in and whoever he replaces, he's definitely going to be better than. So... Again, I'm not saying the Red Wings are going to be good next year, but we do run the risk of the Red Wings themselves regressing to be in the conversation for the not worst team in the league and then Markstrom pulling them up those extra few spots. So again, if the team feels better about themselves and gets some confidence, there's definitely something to be said for that. And given how defense heavy the draft is next year, if they take a forward this year, they're like, well, if we pick first, or if we pick six, we're still going to be getting a stud defenseman. So who really gives a shit? And there's an argument to that. And they're like, well, we get screwed by the lottery every goddamn year anyway. So who cares? There's an argument to that. But statistically speaking, and just banking on the odds here, it's better to be worse until you're good. So again, I'm not against Markstrom because there's part of me that believes you get good players for good value every chance you get. But, I mean, if Markstrom is the difference between us picking 10th overall one year or getting Shane Wright, uh, it's, it's, it's tough to... Look, I, you, you hit all of my points there, but I'm just going to drill them in. I'm done with the lottery. Don't ever bank on the lottery. It's, fuck yep. it. I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's done. Like, look at this. Look how banking on the lottery screws over fans' expectations. But even more importantly, it's just not designed for the worst team to benefit. So there's no point in trying to hold this team back. Like yep. you said, Brad, a 17-win season is damaging to the core of this team. And this team is developing its core right now. It's not it, They don't even have all their pieces of the core. But like you said, Mo Sider, Zadina, Larkin is in a very important stage in his career. They need the best season they possibly can from uh, Mantha. They need Bertuzzi to continue to be successful. They cannot keep dragging the team down, or at least they can't intentionally or avoid the opportunity to improve goaltending. They need those those players to win games that they deserve to win. And it won't be a lot. This team still has a long way to go. I'm not. We're not saying they're going to be a 45 win team. No, by by no means. But you know, the difference between a 17 win team and a 25 or a 30 win team is huge. That is the 13, uh, 13 more wins that that team can go out and say, yeah, we worked our asses off. I played my best game. Philip Zadina's like, I played excellent hockey. I picked up everything I could from the coaches and I picked up and I learned from all of my mistakes and it translated into a win. That means a lot for players development. And so I'm, I'm no longer 
and this is like part of me is jaded because of the the Lafreniere situation, the lottery situation this year. But I am no longer hoping we finish thirty first or thirty second every year. It's I'm I'm done with it. If Eisman's like, and Eisman has said this too, because Evan said this is will this will take time. A counter is Eisman also said we have to get better at some point. Like we need good players to be good. Does the time is the timing perfect? No. How often do you get a chance to sign a player like Markstrom for uh, at good value? Well, I did say last episode that this is the summer to capitalize on value goaltending. Markstrom isn't exactly what I had in mind when I was saying that, but here we are. But the one final point I would make uh, to the contrary, it's not about the draft lottery. And this year's draft is probably the perfect example of it. Because even before the draft lottery, when we knew we were picking, we preached to death. This is the best year in a long, long time to be picking fourth. And that might be true for the next draft. It might be true for the next draft after that, because you never know how a draft class pans out till the year of. It wasn't about winning the lottery this year, but if you look at the draft this year, there is a big difference between picking fourth and eighth, right? So that could be the difference between a Mitch Marner and a Michael Rasmussen. That's fair. No, I I get that completely. But... You know, it's it's kind of like, I don't know, it's like driving blind in a tunnel. How long can you keep doing that? Like, I'm not saying the things that you're bringing up aren't tangibly beneficial to the team. For sure. We want more Mitch Marners than we do Michael Rasmussen's. And that's not a knock on Michael Rasmussen so much as a celebration of how much better a player can be the higher you draft. But it's it. believe it or not, this has been a long rebuild. We're talking about a team that made the playoffs 25 straight years, and we have legitimate cause to say this team has been bad for far too long fans are noticing they are losing fans when butts are allowed back in seats they won't have butts in seats and that was already an issue i can't disagree with anything that either of you brought up i just cannot at all fight let's say they even go out and sign tory krug i i I could not find it in me to to find fault in that doesn't matter how technically true it might be (laughs) brad your face like, let's just say they went out and brought Tory Krug in like a seven-year, $12 million per year contract. You couldn't find fault in that, eh? <laughs> Ryan, oh, are you it. new around here? Yeah, I've just, uh, I drank a lot really fast before the episode. That's what Anyways, we should have done. Uh, Markstrom, I, there's going to be so much time before that. Outside of the argument on whether they should or shouldn't, or is this technically the best, um, some people will be saying they would prefer Demko. Look, it's kind of a wash. They have to solve the goalie problem eventually anyways, and Demko's likely going to come at a higher price now because they'd have to pry him away from Jim Benning. Jim Benning likely wants the goalie that's five years younger, and it would probably come at the cost of having to having Detroit have to absorb at least one awful contract, and maybe that still wouldn't be enough. So, is what it is. Um, other Red Wings news. Philip Zadina has a uh, upper body injury in the Czech Republic. Did we talk about this last episode? I think so. so. Yeah. Yeah. So he's out a few weeks. Um, Yay. Word on that is it's nothing major. That's what I've been able to gather. Um, So I know a lot of fans are screaming, oh, injury prone. It's from what I know, it's just a pretty common injury can happen and anyone won't hinder him long term. So I don't really think it was any cause to be concerned in general, but that's that. Uh, Rasmussen has been loaned out to Europe. 
Where is it actually? Austria? Raz 99ers in Austria. Yeah. Don't know anything about them. There's Red Wings all over the globe. We are truly an international team. Yeah, the sun never sets on the Red Wings empire. Exactly. The sun never sets on Eisman's empire. That's a good one. That's a good tagline. Maybe we uh, we work that in somehow later. <laughs> That's the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously more conversation today. Uh, I can't remember who put out the tweet, but he said, talked about Mantha and Bertuzzi are sitting down in that contract negotiation. Those contract negotiations are actually happening now. Can't come as a surprise. Mantha bought that massive home. Bertuzzi's only had sex, six, <laughs> six, success with Detroit. Just the tip. Um, Here, I'll, I'll read you the one tweet and then I'll follow up with how I quote tweeted it. Detroit and RFA to be Anthony Mantha are having ongoing contract discussions. Doesn't seem a deal is imminent, but talks are underway. To which I responded, well, yeah. I mean, he's an RFA. Of course, they're, they've they probably been talking about this since March. They've no, probably, probably been talking. Ab- they have probably, they have definitely talked about this in some capacity since September. You're telling me his, his agent has been sitting there for eight months or almost a year. And well, uh, we'll get it underway eventually. So he has no idea what Eisenman's thinking. Eisenman has no idea what Mantha's camp is thinking. We would be in training camp by now in a normal world. The Red Wings aren't in the playoffs. They haven't played a game since March. They have had literally nothing better to do. Anthony Mantha and his contract should be priority number one outside of the scouting department in Detroit's world right now. Yeah, no shit they're talking. They've been talking for a while. There is no way they haven't. Even if it was just touching base, hey, yeah, we'd prefer long-term. Cool. We'd prefer a number that doesn't start with a seven. Okay, cool. We'll hammer out the details later. Kiss my ass if you want to no trade. Okay, fine, whatever. And and now if this means that they're actually sitting down to have the hard negotiations, great. But Red Wings Twitter and everything was blowing up with that tweet, and that was literally a nothing tweet. I it, don't think this it was. Is, it, oh. I think you've had too many toddlers flip over an entire full bowls of cereal in your living room, and it's showing right now. None have that has not happened once. It's well, literally we have, we haven't a trained res- Mika well enough. The tweet literally said a GM and a restricted free agent are having negotiations in the offseason. Brad, but they don't all Jesus they don't constantly Christ. they don't constantly this is have news? negotiations. Yes, man, it is. There was a pandemic, sir. We do not we do not say no to good news on this podcast. In other news, us. other Red Wings preparing for eventual hockey season. Well, let's make a segment on it. Jesus Christ. Evan, can you back me up here? I don't really care. Like we've got how Thank many, you. We've got how many months until hockey maybe comes back? Like it's all part of the song and dance. I'm not sure. Like I, I'm not saying it's news. Like I, well, this isn't going to be a 20 minute segment. I'm just saying there's. I read that, that way. <laughs> well, it's hard <laughs> when Brad decides to crucify the topic before we can even blow past it. This is, I can feel already, this is going to be this summer's Mitch Marner. No, no. Look, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I think the tweet is worth defending. 
<laughs> it's funny. Okay. Uh, this tweet is Marc-Andre Fleury, and you're the dagger in its back right now. I think uh, how I read it was, yeah, the, that com- that process has started. It wasn't really in motion before, and it started now. That's it. Nothing to get worked up over. Okay, cool. That's still not news. All right. Well, let's let's dive <laughs> in. <laughs> it is if you didn't right. That's not news. Until the contract is out, I don't give a shit. If there was any context to that tweet, like they're starting negotiations. Rumor is Mantha's looking for a long-term deal. Great. There's actual information in that. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I get we're starved for Red Wings content. I get it, but we can't stoop to the levels where this is big news. We just can't. Please, Red Wings Twitter, be better. Patreon exclusive, just this tweet full episode. <laughs> okay. Uh just to save Brad and so he doesn't actually murder me. Um, we're gonna jump over into our prospect profile, which is uh, none other than German either winger or centerman, depending on how you look at Tim Stutzla. This is our third last one. So we are looking at one of the most likely or yeah, likely I'd say uh, Red Wings picks at fourth overall. So this is going to be a a pretty significant one. Um, Brad, you kick us off. Oh, Ryan, you're not going to like me. So likely pick. um, Nope. I really hate the way we structured this because Pierre Dorian um, does not like to have fun in games and could not make this interesting for us. He, I forget, was he on TSN radio uh, today where he basically said, we know what like we're going to do depending on what LA is going to do. He basically all but said he's taking Byfield or Stutzla and that there's a clear-cut top three and he's not going to do anything crazy radical there. So unless he's a liar... Or Melnick has a flip after watching Cole Perfetti play or something. Let's just get this out of the way. Unless LA takes Drysdale, it doesn't look like the Red Wings are getting by Fielder Stutzla. So sorry to crush everybody's hopes and dreams, but Pierre Dorian sucks. For the one time he doesn't screw something up. Anyways, if the rumor about the Kings and Drysdale being linked are true, though, let's have some fun. So Tim Stutzla, we've talked about at length. Fantastic skater. Fantastic playmaker. Uh, I'll say decent goal scorer. Not a great shot. Not a great finisher, but good enough. Above average. Um, very creative. Very high pace. Just he's almost like the anti-Perfetti in the sense that they have the same strengths, but they just get from point A to point B very differently. Um, and quite honestly, exactly what the Red Wings need. So if he falls, that would be amazing because. I'm not as sold on him playing center as the rest of the world seems to be, but hey, it's an experiment worth having at least. And your worst case scenario is you've got an elite left winger, which is never a bad thing. So what would it mean to the Red Wings if he falls to three? Well, A, he's immediately their best prospect, and probably in a few years, he's probably their best player. Uh, He's going to be their number one scoring threat, or at least points threat. Uh, very early on in his career until whenever he moves on in all likelihood, unless we luck our way into Shane Wright. He is a a franchise player in the sense that he is a likely bet to be the best player on the Red Wings if he is drafted. His ceiling 
should be viewed higher than Dylan Larkins. If I'm being honest, whoever the hell we pick at four, their ceiling should be viewed higher than Dylan Larkins. And if we pick them and you're like, oh, yeah, he's good, but he's no Dylan Larkin, then we messed up the pick. That's just the reality of it. So I think that Stutzel falling would be best realistic case scenario. I'm not holding my breath because, again, thanks, Pierre Dorian. You couldn't have at least left the mystery or the hope there. It is what it is. I'm I'm really hoping he's lying to throw a smoke screen to Detroit or something. Yeah, the the reason I don't put too much stock into what Pierre Dorian says is because, first of all, it's Pierre Dorian. Um, secondly, he works for the Ottawa Senators. And third, there actually is, like you just mentioned, Brad, a vested interest for him to muddy the waters. They're picking at three, so they're going to have a phenomenal player there. But they aren't going to try and walk away from this to making it well. They're going to try and walk away with, from this with a king's ransom, and they have an opportunity to do so. So if they can throw some smoke and get Detroit at number four to do something to their benefit, and then with three and five, they get their two best players, whether that's you know Stutzla or Byfield and Raymond, or Stutzla or Byfield and Drysdale, or they want Perfetti, or they want Rossi. Dorian, it does have a cause there to to try and muddy those waters. Is that actually what he's doing? I don't know. The old boys in hockey tend to just kind of not do that. They do their bullshitting in different ways. So I don't, I don't put too much uh, weight into Dorian's comments today, one way or another. Stutzla is regarded as the bona fide third of the top three in this draft. I think that is, <clears throat> um, it's not. It's not not deserved. I do think he's the third best player in this draft in my mind, but I think the margin between him and Raymond, him and like the Raymond Perfetti, Rossi Drysdale tier is so thin. Like if Ottawa went and took Raymond third overall, I really could not be surprised or say, oh, that was a reach at all. I think there's a pretty big gap between Stutzel and Byfield in my mind. In terms of uh, when I said he's the most likely to fall, think of our Zadina year, right? That level of, oh my God, we got this guy. Stutzel is the one out of him and Byfield that's more liable to fall. And that's what you mentioned, Brad. LA, and how it would happen is LA taking Drysdale. I think that's just kind of the only way it would come through. Um, But yeah, Tim Stutzel, outside of everything you just listed, Brad, like the best skater in the draft, an amazing left winger. He would instantly be be Detroit's best prospect and comes from the same team that Moritz Seider did. You have that German connection. I know it doesn't really mean much for stats on the ice, but it has to mean a lot for that, like those two players development, right? Like having that camaraderie, it's very Russian fives vibe. Well, yeah, but this is only going to work if uh, Reichel and Paterka also drop to the second round. So it's possible we could get four-fifths of the way there in uh, two drafts, but, you know, maybe the Oilers are trading the MVP. It could happen. Good. Yeah. Although that's debatable whether you should have been MVP or not. But oh, anyway. We didn't even talk about that, eh? Yeah. I Probably for the best. I didn't want to get all riled up again this late at night, but we'll save the awards for next episode. How about that? You'll forget. I'll forget. I know it. Evan won't. Evan won't forget. Evan will remember. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, Evan, your take on Tim Stutzla? He's a top tier skater. He's got great hands. His shot could use a little bit of work, but as he adds weight, it'll get a lot better. Sometimes I think he overhandles the puck, but 
He has a relentless motor, and I think he can play center at the NHL level. I think he goes third unless they are super hot on uh, Raymond. That's all I got. So you're convinced convinced he sticks at center then? No, (laughs) but he could. I like his odds. Between him, Perfetti, and Rossi, like those guys who have played center or do play center but could flip to wing, I do see him as being most likely to stay at center. And that, I think, weighs a lot into his value. They've seen him have success playing center. So that does mean quite a bit. If Stutzla fell to Detroit, I'm not sure I have the same kind of like, holy shit, how did Detroit get this guy reaction as we did when Zadina was drafted? I would, f- I, I, I put him more in the Raymond tier than anything. Well, when Zadina had to fall four spots, two, three, four, five, yeah, four spots, it just kept compounding for me the holy shit that this is happening. When it's only one spot, it's still crazy, but it's not, the snowball isn't as big. LA taking Drysdale would be my Arizona taking Barry, Barrett Hayden holy shit moment. Yes. Like, holy shit. Like, are you kidding? So I think Drysdale would be less of a reach than Hayden was. He'd be less of a reach, but I think the shock value would be right there. But yeah, it's, I mean, again, I don't have that massive of a gap between Byfield and Stutzla and Raymond and Perfetti and Imagine, Rossi. Um, imagine Ottawa getting Byfield and Raymond. Oh, it's, God. It's, it's almost it's likely. Very, it's very, very possible. I would almost bet it's, if I had to do my mock draft based on what I think is going to happen, that's who Ottawa's getting. Because we have all the Stutzla to LA connections. Ottawa said they're basically said we're taking whichever one LA doesn't, which would be Byfield. We have all the Perfetti to Detroit connection. There's been Raymond to Ottawa connection. Like, it's not just possible, it's likely. It all depends on what LA does at two. LA, like, it's that's the nice thing about this draft. It's not like we're other years where we say, oh, the draft this year really starts at four. This year it starts at five. No, this year it starts at two. Like, it's Lafreniere, and then we don't know. If they could Ottawa's take wide field, they could drink. If, if Ottawa's not competitive in three years, those fans should riot. <laughs> they already should have. Yeah, let's be honest. It has nothing to do with the players on the ice all, for wide. All 12 should of them. riot. Oh, man. All right. Uh, likelihood of Stutzla falling. Hold on. Actually, two questions. If Stutzla falls, is that an automatic pick for you with Raymond? Let's say Raymond is still on the board. Raymond, Perfetti, Rossi, and Drysdale are all still on the board. Is Stutzla the automatic pick for you? Yes or no? No. How about you, Evan? For me, he is. I would say Raymond's very close, but I like Stutzla's game a little bit better. I fall more in line with Evan. I do have him ranked so th- like very close, but for me, it's just like, yeah, you can't pass that up. Brad, you're taking Raymond over Stutzla? I am leaning that. I have been leaning that way for the last few days. Did we just watch your rankings change in real time? No, it's... I. I've, we know... We've all been saying it, and I've been saying it for a few months now, how tight I've had Stutzla and Raymond um, in my rankings. And I think Raymond's really hot start in 
the SHL this year in the preseason and his first game is pushing him to the forefront because Stut- the only viewings we had of Stutzla was in that three-game tournament against a pretty weak Swiss team where he wasn't all that impressive. So if if early viewings are the tiebreaker, yeah, Raymond has it right now. It's not fair. It's three games. It's small sample size. But I had them in a dead heat at the end of last season or when everything shut down. So I needed something to sway me one way or the other. And and right now it's Raymond's winning. And it, it's hard to say. It, it's not that I even necessarily think Raymond or Stutzla are better than one or another at this point. It's just that seeing Raymond do it in the SHL is making me feel more comfortable that it will translate. Yeah, well, I mean, as much as Moritz Sider has been has turned out to be a positive project so far, there's there's still so much uncertainty drafting out of the DEL, and and I recognize that. But my counter to you, Brad, is: Do you really want to disappoint Moritz Sider? Don't you want to give uh, him a friend? <laughs> I mean, we need to bring back the Swedish Mafia, though, and the way this draft is shaping up, we could take a pretty good Swede with our first four picks. So I think someone even tweeted that at us today, and like, let chaos reign. Well, we've been talking like- about the German mafia getting built up in this draft. It could be the Swedish mafia. This might be a misdirection. We've been looking at the wrong country. <laughs> what were you going to say, Evan? I don't think the DEL plays any games before the draft. No. And I think Raymond has three or four more games until the draft. So if he goes over in that... <laughs> I might swing the other way. Like I it's it's going to be wacky and it's weird and I'm not fully confident in anything in this draft right now outside of who's going number 1. We're at the point where Raymond had a shot on goal today and that was a highlight. Like just a normal shot on goal. They know, it today? wasn't a bad shot on goal, but I was like we really need this draft right now. Did I really missed that game today. I didn't think they played today. It might have just been like an old one. It might have just been a clip pulled up from Oh, I think I saw that one that was floating around. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, Tim Stutzla, left winger slash sentiment out of Mannheim in the DEL. That is our prospect profile. We have two remaining. As you can guess, it'll be um, Raymond and Perfetti. We won't tell you the order um, because we're trying to nail down some conversations with other people. Um, We actually got an email in the middle of the podcast to hopefully lock that down for you guys. So, Does it um, start? Yes. With Uh, a C? Yes. Um, Hell yeah. So we that would potentially be around this time next week. So stay tuned for that and uh, stay tuned for our last two prospect profiles. Again, before the draft, we are going to have rankings, ep- uh, rankings episode, final rankings episode, final mock draft, and then a full draft preview episode. So those are ones to look forward to. Are we doing the final rankings and mock draft in the same episode? Yeah, uh, maybe we make something Patreon exclusive, Brad. We'll make it work. It's draft okay, season. Because I was just going to say, the, that was the original timeline, and then the draft being moved up kind of threw a wrench in that. Uh, they stole it. Going. Yeah, they they stole an episode from us. They, act, they literally did, right after we started, our carefully planned out schedule where we were actually on the ball for once, a month and a half ahead of time, and the NHL ruined it. The best laid plans of... Mice and men and all that. Um, okay. Overtime. 
This is a midweek episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, which means overtime is Patreon exclusive. Um, all of our patrons are the reasons we're able to have these uh, podcast profiles, are the reasons we're able to still have twice a week episodes. So thank you for that. Um, we're going to start with Dylan Krill, who says, thoughts on Gushin, Niederbach, and Yarventi or Jarventi? Where would you be comfortable drafting them, and do they fit what the Red Wings need? Um, I think all of them fit what the Red Wings need to some degree. I think I like Gushin the best of the three. I don't know if I'm taking any of them before Detroit's second second round pick. And for me, that's even rich for, for them probably. But I don't think it's egregious in that range. I think I would like it. But yeah, that's that's where I land on them. Niederbuck's having a good little run right now. Yep. Um... Let me just pull up. I lost our thing here. Okay. Matt Patricia thinks about WAP instead of football while coaching. <laughs> Says, uh, so a podcast person said this needs to be the last year of the rebuild. Yeah. I mean, that'd be nice, but that's just not going to be the case. I mean, needs. No. Um, the Red Wings actually have a free pass for this season because one of the big concerns about the rebuild going too long is you won't get any fans in the stands. Well, <laughs> no one is. Uh, we have drafted way too many prospects since 2015, most in the NHL. Yeah, but you don't keep all of them. That's it. I've never understood that. Like, you have to make some tough decisions about jettisoning prospects, but then you can do it. You lose some without value for sure, but then you jettison some for future draft picks or you change them into players. Like, you don't necessarily need to to keep all those guys in the pipeline. You just have to make quicker decisions and uh, uh, lottery balls in the hopper helps because let's not forget outside of the, after the second round, less than 10% of prospects picked in each of those rounds turn into NHL regulars at any point in their career. Um, I very, they go on to say, I very much disagree. We will improve this year, but it's not hard when you have 17 wins. We'll get 19. Woo. We have had 20 defensemen more than some franchises have picked in the last five years. Uh, brings up an interesting point, but don't forget Matt Patricia only thinks about WAP while coaching and not trying to win. Seems lying. Seems uh, likely. RC Tendy says, I think with the current cap situation and other owners not named Chris Illich hurting for cash, we'll be one of the few teams able to spend money, take on contracts, and gain good assets because of it. Detroit is in a very good situation heading into this, and Eisenman knows it. If he's able to use up that cap space for good young players, it might shorten the rebuild a few years, and that's why he wants to go for Markstrom. I hope I'm right. That would be nice. Christian says one thing that was discussed earlier but hasn't been brought up in a while is the potential for there being one or two compliance buyouts for each team. Oh, that's been next. That's just yeah, not happening. Not yeah. happening at this point. Uh, this would have been seen as a good thing since we could buy out Abby and Nielsen, but wouldn't it also diminish the wing's ability to weaponize cap space? Yeah, it would have. So a little bit of a double-edged sword there. So maybe it's a good thing they dodged it, especially with the, the uh, COVID and the flat cap. Um, Jeremiah Dobo says with the recent news from Kevin Woodley, what would you be willing to go to what, what number value would be, uh, or what contract would you be willing to offer Markstrom? I could maybe stomach six mil for five years, but I'd prefer four then unload Bernie at the trade deadline and hopefully transition from Markstrom to insert young goalie here in a couple of years. Yeah. Six, six and a half. Maybe if you don't find any real need for the extra cap space you have, I agree four years would be ideal, but I'm not going to lose sleep over a fifth year, especially at six mil. 
That's how I feel. And I almost think that like if you are taking, let's assume again, this rumor is true and Steve Eisman thinks that by year three, they're going to be competitive. You almost want him for five, right? Because if Markstrom's going to be your f- starting goalie, you want him there for the whole window. And you and, don't want your top goalie negotiating for a contract when you need him. And one thing I thought of after we had our conversation, but that would make more sense, is if you still believe in a Philip Larson or a Keith Petrozelli, and you don't think either of them are really realistically making it to Detroit in the next two years, you can afford to have Markstrom on for five years because if his heir apparent is already in the system... Well, his last year would likely be the final year of his replacement's ELC. So you're not going to be spending a lot on goaltending, even though you're paying a 35-year-old goalie $6 million because his backup's making less than a million. Uh, <laughs> if that's the path they want. This next comment is called is from someone called Ryan Reads WAP. And it's uh, they want me to read the lyrics for the song. I unfortunately will not be doing that. It just <laughs> doesn't make for good radio when I read full songs, let alone songs with these lyrics. Although I will tell you, I have not, like, it's barely stopped playing in my head. And I mostly blame TikTok for that. Um, and one trend that I really like is songs uh, that have been, like, you keep that song's melody in most of their lyrics. And then the gobble me, swallow me line comes in the tune of that song unexpectedly is one of my favorite trends those mashups kill me every time um so sorry to disappoint i'll have to find a way to make it up to you and also why don't you make brad sing it that'd be way more uncomfortable no uh this one must be from evan because it's from former defenseman ryan hannah with my last (laughs) name (laughs) with my last name spelled wrong so uh today you guys are going to name the top three phillips of this draft Two have to be forwards and one has to be a defenseman. So along with Zadina and Hronik, we have a Phillip five line. Do it for the alliteration. All right. Give me a minute to friggin' pull up a list and look at this crap. All right. Uh, I don't even know. Who's the top ranked Phillip? No. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, no, I can't do that. That's a tough one. Are there even like... Is there even a defenseman, Philip? I can't remember seeing it. Oh, man. Okay, while you guys look that up, why don't I move on to the next question? Just your average Tej says, currently sending this out from the golf course. So this question is for Evan. I'm stuck behind a foursome of old men who won't let us play through, which is my biggest pet peeve on here. So what's your biggest pet peeve on the course? Slow play. I hate (laughs) it so much. I'm a rhythm golfer, and as soon as I get stuck... I am the wheels are off. That is my least favorite thing about golf. That's why I can't play a lot of the like public courses around our place or around Kitchener because they jam up the tee times and it, the people are so slow. Like they're trying to get their tour card or something. Do you like someone taking multiple swings off the tee box? Nothing like six practice swings before just muffing one. All right, well, there's no need for a personal attack. Any updates on the Phillips? So I pulled up Scott Wheeler's top 100 rankings, and I control-F'd both spellings of Phillip. There are zero Phillips in that ranking, so too damn bad. I was going to say, I'm not dumb, right? Like, there aren't any four. Yeah, we already got all the good Phillips. Unless you want to go into fifth, sixth, seventh rounders that I am absolutely not prepared to talk about. (laughs) 
Um, this is from a new name level sponsor, I believe, from another former junior goalie tur- turned golfer. So uh, welcome. You are now our favorite golfer associated with this podcast. It's not even close. Another uh, former junior goalie turned golfer. You just described half my employees at work. Um, although I think this guy wouldn't be your employee because it seems like he's going through law school. So, Oh, yeah. He's smarter than most of my employees, and that's for sure. Uh, thank you so much for your support. It, it means so much to us. Um, and welcome to the dubbed up family. They go on to say, first off, thanks for helping me think about hockey while going through law school. At least my apartment is next door to my favorite golf course. So I have that second, if the wings draft Stutzlisch, they look at signing a higher end player in the DEL like nobles to help him insider transition more. Yeah. If you want to make the warm body, a German guy, I don't care. I mean, wouldn't that German then also be transitioning to the NHL, though? So not exactly what you're yeah, looking for. Make no, like a 30-year-old or something. No, they bring Thomas Vanek out of retirement is what they do for a third stint with the Red Wings. Let's go. Okay, yeah, you can bring Thomas Vanek, but he comes with Ken Holland, so remember that. Uh, Michael Barry says, hey, guys, have a galaxy brain question for you. If the Leafs told Eisenman to sign Petrangelo to a three-year, $14 million per year contract and then told Eisenman to trade him to the Leafs and retain half his cap hit for the deal and the Leafs would compensate him with a 2021 and 2022 first-round pick so that each team would be paying him $7 million in cap hit, would you do it? I would personally, I would personally, as I want the Wings to be bad so they can draft right. If not, I would, if no, would three first-round picks change your mind? I mean, that's one way of getting bad contract for first round pick, which is exactly what we want the Ravens to do. So I would be all for it, but I'm like 98% sure that's some sort of cap circumvention, which the NHL would not allow. Yeah, that's essentially trading cap space, which they can't technically do yet, I don't think. Um, But yeah, for three years, two first round picks out of that? (laughs) Hell yeah um mark burnham says hey guys long time no comment been really enjoying the draft and offseason content i don't know what would have happened if we won the draft lottery say elliot friedman puts out a tweet that starts the trade is one for one who fills in each blank tyler bertuzzi four okay so this would have to fill another need on the red wings which is basically everything but right d so we got to think of, I'm thinking of a good left-handed defenseman or a good center that's not really a star, kind of like Bertuzzi. Young would be available. So I'm trying to think of a team with a surplus of one of these positions. Maybe a young defenseman. That's what I'm thinking, but I'm not coming up with a name that really fits the bill. What about yeah. a Bertuzzi for like uh no, because he needs a new contract, so he wouldn't be much used to Tampa. Uh, would Columbus bring on Bertuzzi? They would. Nashville. I can't, I can't think of. What's uh, Nashville's young defenseman's name? He doesn't get a lot of ice time, but he's Fabro. Yeah. The right defenseman. And I wouldn't give up Bertuzzi for Fabro, if I'm being honest with you. Hmm. Um. I have a trade scenario here, but it would involve a player plus. Uh, but that does remind me, I am very pro uh, Shane Goss Despair reclamation project here. Anyway. Yeah. Hell yeah. But not I've for Bertuzzi. Old. You wouldn't do Bertuzzi for Ghost? Good God, no. No, absolutely not. Let's move on to the next one. Philip Zadina for <laughs> Ethan Bear. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think I think Edmonton fans might be saying the same thing back. Ethan Bear had a great year. Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Piss off. <laughs> that would be the biggest episode we've ever had, period. The Red Wings could win the cup and that wouldn't generate that much content. Oh. Uh I'm trying to think who else. Marino. No. What do you think Philip Zidane is? Yeah, what do Literally, you think? You're nothing. talking about Ethan Bear and John Marino. I'm thinking, would Colorado do Bowen Byram? Would, well, you have to remember the, the premium on defensemen. I don't I don't give a shit. We're giving up a potential 30 goal score. I damn well better be getting a premium defenseman. Justin Abdicator, four. Yes. Evan. No, we couldn't make that deal. Um, Justin Abdicator for Matheson out of Florida. Louis Erickson. I don't even think Vancouver would do that. Oh, of course they wouldn't, because even Jim Benning's not that fucking crazy. Yakaruta. Uh, the, the one to, I saw for Ottawa to Bobby Ryan made a little bit of sense in terms of actual dollars and cap hit for Ottawa. So I've been seeing some conversation about buying out Abdicator. Not yet. Nah. Two years away, at least. Yakaruta says Jim Rutherford has apparently traded Hornquist for Matheson. Has Rutherford lost his marbles, or is this some kind of grand plan we're all too stupid to understand? Third pairing of Matheson and Jack Johnson for the win. Hey, man, like I told you, Jim Rutherford doesn't give a shit about your rules or expectations. Does it make sense? No, but it's not supposed to. <laughs> Does he have a plan? I don't know. Bring me another Maybe. Beer. Definitely maybe. The towering behemoth Leviathan says, in a winged wheel podcast deathmatch, what would be your individual walk-in tunes? What would be your weapons of choice? Guns not allowed. No tree buckets either. Who wins? Losers go eat a chicken, onion, peanut, banana, pineapple, and curry pizza. Oh, that sounds terrible. So we have to pick out a walkout song and an, a weapon. Uh, I've always been big on uh, Gasolina as a walkout song. I think that's a hilarious walkout song. Um, and then my weapon is just straight up a baseball bat. I'm very big into like the blunt object zombie apocalypse weapon. Like if that's if that's the character you pick in a zombie apocalypse, I want the guy with the bat, not the sword or anything. Um. So I'm going to theme this. So my walkout song will be Fire by Paris and my weapon will be a flamethrower. You know exactly what you're about to walk into. <laughs> Evan, what's your walkout song and weapon? Is this just, is this for baseball? No, this is us fighting each other. Yeah, we're going to have a battle royale. It starts in 24 hours. Get ready. Ugh. Oh, gosh. If I don't you pick know. anything other than a golf club, you're not allowed to call yourself a golfer. Yeah, I thought we were talking about walkout songs. And yeah, weapons. and then a weapon. Oh, yeah, I'm taking my driver. Actually, no, I'm not taking my driver. I'm probably taking a putter. Yeah, you could do more damage with a putter. That thing's you could you could jam that in some solid German steel right into the head. Before I would have said definitely Evan will win, but Brad has so much anger that he has to just put towards anything that he would murder us so fast. Like with a facilitated avenue for him to draw blood and he wouldn't get in trouble, you don't know how quickly he'd kill us. I wouldn't even have to start up the flamethrower these days. This this man is tired. <laughs> TJ Nasty says, hey guys, I was thinking about- No, hold on, hold on, Ryan, to circle back. So this would be my mindset going into it. I'm going into a battle royale with these two idiots, and there's the possibility that I never have to stay up past 9 p.m. on a Wednesday again. You don't stand a chance. 
Okay, <laughs> fair. But for the record, we do it at nine because of you. Because I have to put the goddamn kids to bed. I might have to do it again. <laughs> Evan and I don't have to do that. Evan, why is that? I just have to put the garbage outside. That's true. You do put your garbage. Fucking do that tonight. Uh, TJ Nasty says, "Hey guys, uh, with thinking about some of these good free agents coming up here in free agency, what's a sexy splash the Wings can make that's maybe under the radar on other maps? Thanks and keep up the great the great content." Alex Galchenyuk. Yeah, I like that one. I do. It's being talked about a little bit, but I really do like it. And if you want a sexy splash, make a trade at the draft. Shane Gostis Bear. Hell yeah. There you go. You are getting two players who teams have given up on that have shown promise in the NHL and in Ghost's case have actually produced a couple big years. Philly is very motivated to trade Gostis Bear because he's got $4.5 million uh, of cap hit and a couple years left and Galchenyuk's an unrestricted free agent possibly walking into his last NS- NHL contract so he's very much in put up or shut up mode so I am oh and and both direct positions of need for the Red Wings so yeah I'm here for both of it uh, good day dud duds well game two is a bit of a le- oh this is from Dallas Stars die hard fan brad one one says good day dud duds game two is a bit of a letdown for me and i didn't have it in me to pop out the trusty finger guns and instead spiraled into despair as the no eisenman team got the w i was also predictably whiny about the vesna voting regarding bernier when the real shun was all-around good guy and cult hero david ayers who should have he- who should have heckin won with the report that Mantha's uh, contract isn't particularly close, is it worth understanding why? What you nerds uh, fail to realize, or it is worth understanding why, what you nerds fail to realize is Eisenman is waiting for the Habs to throw a dumb offer sheet at Mantha for way too much. Eisenman then Galaxy Brain matches it, and then and only then he trades Mantha to the Habs for literally everything good they have to offer. So basically Suzuki and a couple of firsts. Y'all are playing checkers, man. Jersey time. What jersey don't you own that you'd like to own any team, any league? Grand Rapids IHL. Jurassic Park. Oh, the I'll Jurassic keep saying Park that jerseys. every single yeah. time a jersey that question is, comes up. That is a good one. I, okay, this is going to be just a cop-out answer because it's the hometown answer. I still don't have a Kitchener Rangers third jersey, the red one with the soldier. Those are some of the nicest jerseys in hockey, and it's like the local team, my favorite team, and my favorite jersey, and I don't have it yet. They just had game worn ones auction, and there was a tons of tons of them under two hundred bucks. Yeah, I, do I look like I have money to blow right now, Evan? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have golf money, Evan. Evan's like, what does a jersey cost? Three, four thousand dollars. <laughs> um, mine is a Gordy Howe Detroit Vipers jersey, just because I think they're cool. Uh, lastly, is it just me or does Josh Allen bear a striking resemblance to Mr. Finger Guns himself? Stay fresh, cheese bags. It's been brought up, and I think it's actually true. That's news to me, but I do remember it being brought up here on before, and I don't see it. Uh, but he is, ne- growing, he is growing a dirt beard. He's trying to keep up with me. <laughs> the next comments from none other than James E. Rutherford. Who says just an abdicator for Brian Rust? One for one. You don't even need to ask him to waive his no move clause. Trust me. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Uh, Jake Nagy says last year when Stevie came to the mic and said from Mannheim in the DEL, my jaw fell open. And I basically became a meme for my shocked reaction. Oh, you were now all was- over Twitter. Yeah. 
now is the official vice chancellor for the Mo Sider fan club. I'm hoping to once again hear Stevie say from Mannheim in the DEL this year as he announces Tim Stutzla and the Deutschland duo in Detroit era begins. Since the draft last year, I got to be a guest on Mannheim's Hockey Pod and have become internet friends with some of their fans. They say Sider and Stutzla are genuinely very close friends, which makes me even more excited about the idea of them playing together. So my question for you is, what is your all-time favorite friendship among Red Wings players, and why is it already Sider and Stutzla? I mean, how can you not pick the Russian Five? It's got to be the, like that's by far the best. If it's just two, I really actually like Pavel Datsuk not speaking any English and Brett Hull at the tail end of his career in 0102. I thought that was hysterical. Yeah, that that was fun. But no, it's got to be the Russian five. And the documentary just cemented that for me. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Denny O.D. says, good evening to my favorite podcast. I don't want to sign Krug because of the term and money that he'll require. By the time we're good, we'll have wasted, wasted cap on a washed up Tory Krug and an untradeable contract. A buddy of mine says, F it, we need talent, and it'd be good to finally see a star player sign here. Thanks to Detroit sports literally killing us all, from all angles. Two questions for you guys. Evan, look alive. I know Brad's stance is similar to mine, but what about you, Ryan and Evan? What's your reaction if we sign Krug to a six to seven year deal? Um, no, that's not for you, Brad. Ouch. Um, I kind of have a similar reaction to when we were talking about Markstrom before. Although I think I would rather have Markstrom at this point. Um, I just don't think it fits what my idealized timeline is for the rebuild. And I think it's wasted cap space. I think you guys are both objectively right. Like 100% you both are objectively right. But it's been so long since we've had a nice thing. And it's like, uh, I can sit here and say, yeah, it's not, it'll be a waste and they probably won't be competitive in Krug's window and blah, 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 blah. Like 100%, I would admit all that. And I still couldn't find it in me to be upset about it. Like I can't possibly piss my pants about that because like, holy shit, Detroit sports is actually being killed from all angles. We need something. I'm not saying we need Tory Krug, but if Steve Eisman goes out and says, yeah, I want to sign Tory Krug and I got him at what I thought was good value and, and he's going to be an important part of this team, I'd say, here's my piece about how I think this works into the rebuild. That's it. I'm now a huge Tory Krug fan. Let's buy his jersey. Who cares? Um, I mean, Detroit sports needs something good to happen to them and that could come in the form of everybody loves Raymond or a nice plate of spaghetti. That's true. Uh, also, Brad, does a very weak 2021 free agent class make you rethink your stance just a little bit? Nope, not even a little. Joseph Fournier says, hey there, fellows. Can you recall prospects from years past who are labeled either difficult or lacked a good work ethic? How are their NHL careers or prospect paths now? I've seen reports. Or Sorry, yeah, let's answer that first. Um, okay. I'm trying to think is we have a lot of the guys where we've the years where we've been doing deep dives on this and covering it. Most of these guys haven't had time to make it to the NHL yet. So it's hard. So I got to kind of think back before we got into it. It's not going well for Josh Hosang. Um, that was the first one that came to mind for me. Yeah. Uh, not going well for Merkley, but it's still early for him. Yeah. But he wasn't really work ethic more than it was just general attitude issues. They weren't sure they'd be able to keep him out of prison from how it sounded. Right. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's still I don't know with how far we've been like doing our deep dives. I think you're right. I think there hasn't been enough time to kind of do a length study on that. Yeah, I'm um, not a huge fan of players who have that trait for what it's worth, but I will. He goes on to say, I've seen reports that LA could be interested in Drysdale or Stutzel over Byfield. Does Ottawa pass on him if he falls to three? I don't see his lack of offensive creativity that much a detriment that he'd possibly drop to four, but is it? If you're talking about Byfield, no, I don't think they pass on him. If you're talking about Stutzla, maybe. Um, what is Jim Rutherford's obsession with overpaid veteran defensemen? Like I said, just to see the world burn, just to see the nerds cry about it. I think that's actually why he does it. Um, and Tampa Bay one five two today. By the way, yeah. Um, Joseph goes on to say, "Well, just finished Stamkos making. Watch, just watch Stamkos make it two nothing. Uh oh, Brad, stay fresh. Wap bags and wap bags and Black Lives Matter." C Nod says, "Yes or no? Brome has a better chance to make the team given his extra time playing in Sweden this year." Uh, it's not hurting his chances, that's for sure. So by definition, yeah, I'd say it improves his chances. By the end of next year, Hirona can become a solid top pairing defenseman on most teams. Yeah, I could see it. He's already a top pair defenseman on one team. Yeah, it'd need to be a good year, but yes. Also, do you think Mantha was utilized poorly when they were teaching him to be a net front presence when his shot was unreal? Thanks for the pod. Yes. This is one of the things that I'm actually going to go back and say we were a thousand percent right on because we hated that at the time. And here we are now. Yeah, the obsession with making any... There, there was a period of time and the Wings have kind of stopped it where they just made any big person their next Holmstrom because they thought the reason they sucked is because they no longer had Holmstrom when it's they no longer had good players. Right. <laughs> so they just tried to make everyone into Holmstrom. Anyhow, uh, it is well past um, everyone's bedtime here. So we are going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We will be back with you on Sunday night. Uh, but for now, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you for all of you leaving iTunes reviews. Um, I am seeing those. So you guys are, that means the world to us, leaving those five-star reviews. And we read each one. So thank you. Um, all of our name-level sponsors, Terry, Arjun Shanker, Greech, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Matt Patricia thinks about WAP instead of football while coaching. Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kalen Wood, Hassam Al-Kassem, Charlie Elkins, Hana Lee, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Obir Juan Kenobi, Trevor Pevavar, Alex Ott, Ashley Van Conant, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Quaz, and Stan Olsen. Cheers, guys, and Evan and I are going to run away from Brad fast. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.